just just kind of seeing like how someone broke this not even like coded it differently but broke down the problem differently mm. and like that's all kind of coding really is like break down the problem you might break it, break it down into different problems and then we just go and solve that and i think yeah that that's really where like diversity plays a hugely important part in something like coding you know it, it's not just because it's a male-dominated field it's and we need to get more diverse people into it it's more just you literally are missing a whole other perspective on how to solve this problem welcome to queer coded my name is eli my name's emily um we do apologize if you can hear any music in the background um it seems everyone outside is having a great time and we're not going to stop them um if you've not joined us before uh we're just chatting to some members of the north coders team who are also part of the lgbtqia community it's just a nice relaxed chat just to see how they are where they uh, got into tech and what they can see for the future uh today we have maddie would you like to tell us a bit about yourself maddie hi uh, i'm maddie i am a tutor here at north coders i got into tech just last year um, I decided to change my career. I have had a lifelong uh, special interest in computers um, and I'm also a computer science student as well. Oh, fantastic. Awesome. What were you doing uh, before this? Uh, I was just working part-time as an admin. Mm. Um, I had my son when I was 19 during university. Uh, so when he was young, I just wanted to be around uh, at home for him. Yeah. So I just worked the mornings uh, for the Association of Colleges, uh, which is a really nice organisation. Um, and I, I, I liked working there, but... Um, it wasn't a career for me. What got you into computer science as a degree? I feel like that's quite a, quite a big jump. Mm. I did two degrees previously in philosophy. Um, and when I was doing them, um, I really loved logic. And those were my, my highest marks by far, um, especially because they're more mathsy. So you, you actually get marked out of 100 instead of <laughs> 85 with humanities. Yeah, so um, I was working part-time as an admin. Um, so I obviously had quite a lot of free time. Um, and then I found out about uh, funding from student finance to do a second degree in a STEM subject. Um, so I started studying with the Open University then. Mm. Um, but then sort of towards the middle of the year, um, I grew a bit more frustrated with my job and I found out about North Coders. Um, so I applied for a scholarship here. And then when I got the place, uh, I left my job and, and came to do the course. Um, awesome. At the time, I was doing two modules at a time for uni, uh, which was quite intense alongside the course. So I've now dropped down to just doing one at a time. Mm. Yeah, it sounds full on. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of respect for anyone who can uh, have a child and also have a job and also study at the same time. That's, mm. that's a lot to do. Yeah, I just don't like having free time, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't want to sit down long enough for... Uh, no, <laughs> Amazing. So in terms of your sort of your earlier life, what was your first kind of experience or interaction with tech? I was given a old Windows 95 PC by my dad when I was little um, and I just used to play little games on there and stuff at first um, and I really got into the Pets series um, and Pets was great at the time. It got quite a lot of um, young women into tech because mm. um, the fan base was predominantly women. Um, and we would make these things called hex pets, which was using hexadecimal code to kind of mm. like create new pets for the game. Um, and also little websites with HTML and stuff like that to kind of list the pets you've made and other people could come and download them. Um, so it's a nice little community to be in, yeah. That's really cool. It's really yeah. cool. I've never even heard of No, like me either. I'm a big, big fan of these games still to this day. Um, it's something that I think is really missing as well. Like I'd love for there to be another kind of artificial intelligence game, pet 
kind of simulation game like that um, because um, both that game and Creatures were really ahead of the time with the AI that they used. They mm. used things that are pretty similar to neural networks. So wow. coming out of the 90s, it was pretty, pretty intense. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, part of the podcast, anyway, is, talk, is talking about like um, our queer experiences. How do you feel like your queer identity has changed um, through your journey through tech? For me, um, with my sexuality and bisexual um I've been very comfortable with it from a very young age. Um, I've been fortunate to have a lot of family support um, on that front. And it was just never treated like an issue. Um, It was totally normalized um, from the age that I had a crush on my year three teacher. (laughs) Um, My mum's been super, super supportive all the way through my teenage years as well. But exploring my gender identity is more of a recent thing for me. Um, It's sort of... I think it's just never really been the right time for me to ask those questions because um, I'm also um, neurodiverse. I'm I'm autistic and I have ADHD and I didn't know for a very long time. I was diagnosed when I was 25. And up until that point, I would say those things were affecting my identity in such a big way, but I I didn't know what was going on. That only after I started to unpack that was I able to start asking other questions about my identity as well. Um, and definitely being at North Coders, um, this is the first place where I've felt open and comfortable discussing um, my gender identity too. So um, I would say for me, tech's actually been a positive experience. Um, do I recognise that might not be universal across the board? That's really interesting though. I think um, I had a conversation with Sam after we did the podcast the other week about how kind of, um, as a queer person, sometimes you feel like, your um your development has kind of been pushed back a little bit by you kind of discovering different parts of your identity so it's really interesting to hear you say that that's been kind of a a thing that's progressed for you yeah definitely it's something i've seen sort of within the autistic community as well um and there's also kind of a school of thought that sort of discusses how autism affects your experience of gender um, Mm. as well um i think that's definitely an impact for me on days when i'm feeling genderless um, it's almost like I'm feeling autistic <laughs> and right. that, that's kind of taking over the, the how I feel on that, that day. So yeah, it's, it's, still, it's still quite fresh and I haven't really fully developed my understanding of it yet, but, but it's definitely helpful being around other people who I can have these conversations with and ask, what's your experience like and, and kind of... Yeah, we were talking about that just, just before. Like it's, it, it, it does surprise, surprise me a little bit. Um, because like there is that kind of like stereotype of um like stem and tech just being quite male dominated in general mm. and like not very i don't want to say not diverse but not like queer diverse yeah to the point where you you come in and you kind of again that's like you were saying for a bit of a bubble here but it's definitely kind of almost like a safe space without explicitly calling it a safe space i guess yeah, yeah definitely. um and yeah what you're saying before you like where there's definitely that feeling of you've kind of almost like hidden yourself for so long that once you start to rediscover yourself, it's kind of like you're sent back like 10 years in time almost. Yeah. And like all, all this kind of developing you should have done in your teenage years is just <laughs> now suddenly here. Um, like, I, I don't know um, how it was for you, like coming out as trans, but I, I very specifically remember after I came out, it was not that I wanted to dress like a teenager, but I wanted to dress how I wanted to dress when I was a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, just without even realizing it, it it's it's more kind of a feeling of not just accepting yourself but accepting that that's okay to have about yourself mm. um 
Because I think like to, to progress in any kind of identity, you do need to experiment quite a lot. And I think in like in non-queer spaces, you don't get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that ties in a lot with not just like your identity, but also like your actual like personal development, like as like as a working person. Um, if, if, you know, if you stuck for so long, kind of trying to figure out one thing, <laughs> um, you really don't have time to uh, find out what you want to do with the other things. Um, so for, like for me, I think it wasn't a case of I came into tech and found myself. It was more like I found myself and then came into tech because of it. Um, be- because I-, I allowed myself to like understand that part of me and I can now understand something else about myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I, I, I know. Yeah, I know what you mean there. I guess I was just kind of thinking back to, to sort of my own childhood. And mm. I think a big part of your, your formative identity it comes from how other people perceive you as well. And, mm. and there's a little bit of kind of unpacking and breaking down of that that you need to do. So for me, when I was younger, um, I was always considered, you know, a tomboy and I'm not a girly girl. And those kind of things come along with, well, if you're a tomboy, you like these things and mm. you do these things. And yeah. and I guess when I was younger, I tried to fit myself into every single male interest possible. I'd be like, I must love football and sport and computers and maths and anything that kind of fit that, that mold. Um, and, and weirdly, sort of, now that I'm at the point where I'm comfortable saying that there are days when my gender isn't female, on the days where I do feel female, I feel more free to explore that side of myself as well yeah, and those more absolutely. girly things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not necessary to me that those things that even have to have anything to do with my identity, it can just be you feel like doing those things on the day. Um, yeah, but you do kind of get... You get told almost yeah. that these things are intrinsic and, and it's almost like there's this thing inside of you you've got to discover. But, well, my experience of identity is it's very transient. Yeah. It's not a fixed sort of feature of my reality. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it's that kind of feeling of, um, it's like, yes, you're allowed to explore your gender as long as it's in these confines. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I know, like a, a big part of me coming out was um, just enjoying that I had more freedom to explore, like my identity. Yeah. Um, it it wasn't even the kind of like, ooh, I'm I'm trans now. <laughs> it was like, oh, I can be myself now. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what that is yet, but I, I can I can do it. <laughs> um, yeah. I suppose that's that's another sort of element of identity is kind of performing that identity as well, I suppose. Um. <laughs> no, I think for me personally, um, and this may just be a, a personal anecdote rather than anything that can be applied to anyone else, but I really feel like um, testosterone helped me to tap into kind of the Vulcan part of my brain where I could actually understand logic and maths in a way that I hadn't previously and I would hate for anyone to apply that anathema yeah. um, <laughs> to, to the world. But... Um, but but for me personally, I never would have really considered coding as something that I would have done previously, but a set of circumstances, including COVID, brought me to that point where I was like, actually, this is something that I really want to pursue post-transitioning and, and living in a kind of transient hospitality world for many years. Um, so I think, yeah, you, you, identity is very much uh, bound to kind of what you what you do in your life. Do you think that was more because you now weren't focusing on this issue 
and like you had a solution to that issue it was now something else you could do or do you think it was more kind of like because testosterone does like hormone changes like having hrt is a crazy experience yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) um and i know it definitely changed like my way of thinking but again i don't know if that was just because i wasn't thinking about something else now well no it's a a really valid question and probably there should be some studies into it if uh if the medical community cared enough to do so (laughs) but um but no, I think it was a combination. I think there was definitely a change in my my attitude and my mindset. But also, um, also the other thing as well. Definitely, there was something that wasn't preoccupying me. Um, I mean, I was a, a, someone who didn't realise they were transgender doing a a masters in gender studies. Like, <laughs> you know, talk about looking for self discovery. Um, so I think. It's definitely a combination of the two, you know. I think hormones do have an impact on your mentality, but also once you strip back all of that other stuff that you're trying to work your way through, it's a lot easier to find a path that you actually want to go down. Yeah, definitely. I think what's been interesting for me with coding, though, is um, so I've always been somebody whose skill base has been more sort of logical and mathsy and mm. kind of um, systemic, I guess. Um, but it's kind of, I think it's a bit of a, a false assumption about coding that it that it's all like that i think it's it's hugely creative Mm. it's hugely communicative collaborative and i think having a more diverse makeup um of of people working within code um can help bring out some of those other sides and help to improve code and make it more robust and make it more user-friendly um i i think um from my experience of studying computer science um it's much more focused on things like optimization and it, it can be quite competitive, which mm. I think tends to happen to a lot of male interests. They get told this must be competitive, mm. um, and I, I don't, I don't like that approach um, because I think if you're thinking about the user, quite often the changes the user needs aren't anything to do with shaving off a few microseconds on a on a backend process. It's it might be better to have a loading pattern that takes much longer to load than that optimization. But yeah. to the user, it's like oh, I can see something's going on there, so. Um, and I think bringing more diverse backgrounds into code brings more of these kind of out of the box ways of thinking. Um, to Absolutely. The table. Yeah, I, I think um, I listened to another podcast recently about um, how um, impactful accessibility is on people using websites and buying products and how people will just switch off from certain websites if they're not accessible. So I think mm-hmm. there is such a broader range of experience that code should be applied to yeah. that it's not if you're just focusing on competition and speed and money yeah absolutely yeah yeah I, I think it's quite an interesting point though because i think there is that um like outside vision of something like coding just being very much like oh i need to know maths and and yeah. science and i need to have this kind of brain but yeah i really don't think there is enough being said about it being a creative outlet yeah. and not even just in the way of Oh, I can make a really nice, interesting website. I can work with, um, I, I can work with like three D models and that kind of thing. I, I think genuinely, even stuff, something like backend. You know, it, it's not, it's not. You wouldn't put it in a museum. <laughs> <laughs> but um, when, when I'm working on stuff like backend, I definitely feel like it's a creative outlet for me, um, even if it looks the same as someone else next to me. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's like something like Lego, right? You follow mm. the instructions, but it's still a creative process. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. Um, 
yeah, I like the Lego analogy for code. That's a very good analogy. Yeah, yeah, it sort of feels like you have parts to code that you can slot together and you can mm. sort of make it work the way that you want it to work. And I, yeah, I think you, you hear about it more like in a coding environment. There is that thing of like, there's no one correct answer. Yeah. And I think that's where like a lot of the creativity comes from. Like if you can, it like, you know, a lot, a lot of like testing is just, does it, if I give it this, does it give me out this? And like everything in between that is completely up to you. And that's quite interesting to me mm. um, that, you know, someone someone like me who kind of has no previous experience, well, not no, but like a very tiny amount of coding experience previously, and you with a computer science degree, <laughs> like if we tackled the same kind of problem, it would look probably quite different. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I don't think that's kind of chalked up enough in, um, in outside vision, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think you get that kind of, you can get emotional catharsis through it the same way you would other creative outlets as well. Um, and and you, you kind of get a bit emotionally attached to your code, I think, too, don't you? Like, you're like, I made that. I wrote that. I like the way that looks on the screen. The green ticks help. Yeah. <laughs> it's the little things like, oh, you prefer the way an arrow function looks to Ooh. a normal function declaration. And you're just like, yeah, this is my code. It's got my stamp on it now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely agree. Yeah. I, I never thought of it like that. Just like... Yeah, like I, I don't know if I could like pick my code out of a like, <laughs> uh, but I'd like I'd like to think I would see the hallmarks of my code and probably the the, the mistakes I personally make. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. I, know, I think it's um, it's interesting because I think we had a, a thing the other day where um, quite a few junior devs all solved the same problem and all looked at each other's yeah, that's code. Yeah, I think you were both that. involved in that, yeah. Mm. Um, and I thought that was so interesting because so many people had solutions that I would never have come up with and yeah, still absolutely. solved the exact same problem. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like a particularly complex problem either. No. No, it, like that, yeah, that really surprised me as well. Just just kind of seeing like how someone broke this, not even like coded it differently, but broke down the problem differently. Mm. And like, that's all kind of coding really is, like break down the problem you might break it, break it down into different problems and then we just go and solve that. Um, and I think, yeah, that that's really where like diversity plays a huge, hugely important part in something like coding. You know, it, it's not just because it's a male dominated field It's and we need to get more diverse people into it. It's more just, you literally are missing a whole other perspective on how to solve this problem. And it's not just how to get from A to B. It's how to get from A to Z and all the letters in between. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also when you apply that problem to kind of a broader spectrum of problems, how that fits in with those and how it can influence how those bigger problems are solved as well. Definitely. And then you sort of start using the same approach in like non-coding areas as well, that that sort of method of breaking something down into little steps and kind of working through it. Mm. Um, you know, I, I really like something like TDD for that because... When I try to do something with, with TDD, I try to just ignore the final solution and go, right, what's the most simple? Then what's next step? And then mm. by the time you get to the, the last step, you've kind of written the code without even having to to understand necessarily how you've got there. You, you, you know, you've mm. done it step by step. Um, and I think that approach can be useful for sort of, well, for me, it's really useful for tasks I struggle with executive functioning difficulties yeah, yeah. with, like doing the washing and the washing up and things <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. If I can sort of break them down more algorithmically, um, mm. it helps me to sometimes keep on top of those things. <laughs> how do you feel like really your neurodiv- neurodiversity has actually affected, um, not just like how you code, but like your actual like coding progression? I don't, 
I, I, I'm, I'm always hesitant to actually sort of link things to my neurodiversity because the neurodiverse experience is as different from person to person as the neurotypical experience yeah, is. But um, in neurodiversity, we tend to see certain patterns towards what we call it spiky profiles, sort of towards extremes. And one of those areas in which we quite often have high functioning is things like logic and, and, and stuff like that. So... Um, what what was really interesting for me with learning to code was just how relevant logic and philosophy have been. Um, getting that kind of conceptual understanding was a little bit easier for me, I think, than some of my um, cohort makes because they hadn't spent five years having to think about all different questions in that in that kind of methodical way. Mm. Um, so um, I, I I would say it's potentially been an advantage um, just because it fits in nicely with the way that my brain likes to think anyway. <laughs> so, um, and also as a field, there is um, a disproportionately high number of us in employment, which is which is amazing because we have horrendous employment um, levels. Um, and so whilst I, I absolutely love the creative and collaborative sides of coding, um, it's nice that there is that side where you can sort of hide away from the world and just kind of code quietly for a few hours and have that yeah. personal space as well. I think, I think that's a really, really interesting point. And I, I am just kind of like going to segue a little bit here, but um, this, this was something I was thinking about before when I was, um, but what, what you're saying, like the tech industry has like an, an abnormally high level of neurodiverse um, employment. Um, one thing I am super interested in is why um, trans people are so um, drawn to like STEM and tech in general. Mm. Um, and I'm wondering, like, is is the, do you think maybe like there is some because there is a large crossover of trans and neurodiversity that that just kind of is almost like linked in another way through it that? It potentially yeah. is, yeah, it probably is. I, I imagine there are lots of factors mm. that contribute to 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 the higher numbers, but that that I would say that probably is one of them um, because, like you say, uh, within the neurodiverse community, there are a disproportionate number of uh, trans people as well, um, and that is where sort of the discussion from earlier about sort of how autism affects your gender identity and stuff sort of comes from. Whether there's a a, re- a link between being autistic and your experience of being in the world that sort of makes you maybe more comfortable with questioning the. Well, I guess if you're already being othered for some reason, it's a little bit easier to to question these other sort of areas in which you might be othered as well. I I, I just I've always wondered about it um, because I, I in, my, in my head a, a lot of it a lot of it I don't even I don't even know it was for me, but um, I I just seem to kind of think of it as coming out as trans is such like a self love act that you kind of want to do the best for yourself. Um, and I'm wondering if, like, maybe like something like STEM and tech, because it's so kind of highly, like, you got really high levels of employment satisfaction, you got really high wages, and you just kind of see that and go, well, that sounds really good. Yeah. <laughs> I should try yeah. that. <laughs> I think there maybe is yeah. something to that. So I guess earlier in my life, I was sort of just happy to just come out of uni, go into my admin job, just stay being an admin, be a mum, kind of didn't really like challenge myself career-wise um, and I didn't really know how it would work either having a full-time job um, around my son um, but um, I can't remember at the end of my point now <laughs> <laughs> keep doing that this is a uh, this is um, neurodiversity in action for you. <laughs> um, yeah like it, it it definitely sort of freed me up to kind of do that <laughs> it's a really interesting conversation piece though I think and 
you know, potentially the basis for a thesis for someone to, <laughs> to write. But um, but no, I, I did sort of, when I was learning to code at the beginning and thinking about the North Coders course, um, I did feel like there was sort of something that always kept drawing me back to trying to solve a problem. And I wonder if there's something about that that's kind of like that feeling of needing to finish something or needing to continue with something that yeah, is that's a really good point, yeah. quite a, a draw to people in a, like quite a specific way. Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's definitely something that's suited for, for hyper-focus as well, which mm. is obviously really common uh, for all different types of neurodiversity. Um, and it's very rewarding. Things like testing, we always call it the green dopamine tick. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it, does, it does have that kind of positive impact on your well-being it's a fun activity to do and getting to do mm. that for a job is sort of mm. like you feel kind of lucky in a way yeah yeah, oh, yeah definitely. um i think we've gone over pretty much everything we wanted to talk is there anything you wanted to bring up i can't think of anything is there anything you would want to change about the tech industry in general in regards to your personal like queer identity neurodiverse identity um anything in those I think I think the biggest change I'd like to see um, is with with younger people um, for them to have access to the information they need about the industry um, for the sort of general generally perceived myths about the industry to be broken down and for it to just be clear that there is a space um, for people like us here and we are here and and we're ready to welcome you with open arms. <laughs> that that would be the. The, the biggest they have the biggest impact but obviously that's longer term mm. and there are things that we also need to be addressing right now I think um, but <laughs> I'm not too sure what the solutions are to be honest yeah I mean I, I wasn't asking for solutions no, don't worry yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I personally think the solution is just conversations um, yeah. it's the same thing with coaching you know like you don't get to see anything different unless you talk about it yeah definitely um, I think something like this podcast is maybe what needs to happen just a lot more often and in bigger spaces maybe. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I think as much as I kind of like love systemized things, um, when it kind of comes to human interaction, um, I just think it's better to just talk to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's been lovely to talk to you, Maddie. Um, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. Thank um, you for having me. Right. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, join us again next time. <laughs>